did you find this? Amunra, top, top three. Yeah, that shit. Amunra too. Yeah, praise yeah. the sun god. Uh, we'll we'll talk lions in a little bit. Uh, yeah. Sorry, sorry guys. I was just <laughs> gloating on my Sam Laporta. Um, you know, futuristic uh, magic eight ball. The victory lap never I, stops. I called it. I saw a tweet today that was like, is Michael Mayer a bust? And all I could think is like, Sam Laporta has ruined rookie tight end expectations for right. everybody. Yes. Yep. It's, it's the Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase thing of like, hey, you know what? We are all shitting on every single tight end if they never do anything year one. And now we have, I mean, I don't want to say Trey McBride's a rookie, but like he's basically a rookie, right? He didn't play most of last year. Yeah. Well, yeah, he had Zach Ertz to contend with last year. And yeah. Now that he's not there or hurt or whatever, he had plenty of time to emerge. And now he's, dude, his his uh, reception prop for this week, and it has been for like the last, I don't know, at least four weeks, is six and a half. Yeah, I saw that too. Like, that's that's like A.J. Brown, Amon Ra reception <laughs> yeah. numbers. Like, Devontae yeah. Adams. Like C.D. Lamb or Trey McBride, boys. Um, So this is our last episode of the calendar year 2023. It's been, uh, you can't deny that it's been a year that's existed. Happy New Year, everyone. This is, uh, I'm good to have this year under my belt. I don't know about y'all, but I'm ready to start this uh, New Year fresh. Should be a better year. I'm ready to watch tape. I'm, I'm cooking. Yeah, rookie. We're gonna start rookie stuff pretty soon here. Um, we want to get a jump on shit, so hopefully uh, we'll start coming at you with rookie stuff coming up soon. Um, Guys, we haven't even gotten to the Super Bowl yet. Slow down. <laughs> Jeez. Real football, that doesn't matter. I'm, I'm, I want them. I want those children in the league, and I want to see their forty times. I don't care to win the title. Hurry up, kids! Run that forty. Um, all right, Ryan. Why don't you? Uh, why don't you start us off? All right, guys, so this is our New Year's episode, so I wanted to get a little New Year's like theme involved, and as we all know, New Year's, January is pretty cold, uh, so I wanted to talk real quick, it's not going to be too long, uh, just about some some games that happened, some really cold games in NFL history, also some players whose birthdays happened to be January 1st. Nice. Yeah. All right, so... Let's start really quick. Let's go back to January 10th, 1982. Chargers at Bengals. All right. The temperature was minus nine. The wind chill was negative 32. Thank you. All right. San Diego that year uh, had the number one offense, but as we know, they play in San Diego, so they're not that good in the cold. They ended up losing 27 to seven. Woof. They only scored once. Um, they had 300 total yards, but they had four turnovers, um, and the ba- that sent the Bengals to the Super Bowl that year. They had 318 yards and 27 points. Damn, Damn minus 32. Yeah. Uh, Seahawks, Seahawks, Vikings, January 10th, 2016. We should remember this game. Tony probably does. Is that the field goal at the end? It was the NFC Wild Card game? Yeah. Uh, minus six wind chill, negative 25. Both offenses were kind of quiet. Uh, Seattle only had 226 yards. Minnesota had um, 183 yards. Uh, but the Seahawks ended up winning 
uh, 10 to 9 to advance where they lost to the Panthers. And Blair Walsh uh, missed a field goal the last minute that would have sent the Vikings to advance. All right, here's one, Tony. Wait, 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 wait. We can't, we're, we're Bears fans, and, and like, I, you and I are both Lions apologists, so the two teams <laughs> it's always okay to dunk on are the Packers and Vikings. I just sure. want to point out before, it, they didn't just miss a field goal at the end of the game. They missed a 27-yard field goal at the end of the game. That was a short one. That's yeah. like when the Saints did that sick ass lateral play forever uh-huh. to get to the wild card, and they—that was like one of my very first football memories. And they shanked the extra point to lose. Yep, yep, <laughs> yep. So fuck the Vikings. All right, yeah. Ryan, go on. Crazy game. All right, let's go to the 2008 NFC Championship, where the wind chill was minus 23, and this was Favre's last year as a Packer, I believe. He had 236 pass yards. Uh, Green Bay only had 28 rush yards in that game. And sorry, I forgot to say it was Giants at Packers. Uh, a lot of these games happen in the Midwest, obviously. Right. Um, the Giants, as we know, obviously won. They had 134 rush yards, and Eli Manning threw for 251 pass yards. The teams were tied at 20 and went to overtime, and the Giants won on a field goal and went to the Super Bowl to win against Tom Brady's New England Patriots. Everyone main- remembers the famous Tom Coughlin, like, super red face uh, <laughs> pictures from that game. And then, yeah, and then I think Favre went to the Vikings the following year to finish out his career because he thought he still had a little bit left. Let's see. There was there was a game December eighteenth, nineteen eighty three, minus nineteen, where John Elway threw three interceptions, um, and the Chiefs uh, won that game. Uh, let's see, December thirty first, nineteen eighty eight, uh, Bears versus Philly in the divisional uh, playoff. This was the Fog Bowl. This was not a cold game, but it was a game played on New Year's Eve, the first game the Bears ever played on New Year's Eve. In 1988, and at the time, so this was three years removed from the Bears winning the Super Bowl, or or two years. And Buddy Ryan was now the coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. So he refused to shake hands with Ditka at the end of that game. Quarterback Mike Tomacek threw three interceptions, and Reggie White hit him so hard that it knocked him out of the game. <laughs> uh, That's good. Tomzak sucked. It was called the Fog Bowl because, like the game that we went to last Sunday, Tony, it was like unseasonably warm that day. So, like, all the moisture was just levitating towards the ground. Remember how foggy it was that day? You couldn't see the tops of the skyline and stuff. Um, but this was so bad that it got inundated on the field to where the the players, like in the top three hundred sections where where we were sitting, could barely see the game. But that was a crazy game. That was the first game uh, Bears ever played on New Year's Eve. And then we all remember the famous Ice Bowl, the 1967 NFL Championship game, the coldest game in recorded NFL history, minus 13 with winds gusting and making the wind chill almost minus 50 at negative 48. All right. This obviously was at Lambeau Field. There were still 50,000 people in attendance, surprisingly. Green Bay won 21 to 17 on only 195 offensive yards. Dallas had 192 yards. And 
they said that the playing surface was frozen because they forgot to take the tarp off of the field, like right before, like, you know, many hours before the game instead of right before the game. <laughs> and a layer, a layer of condensation formed under the tarp and then froze to the field. And uh, Chuck Merson, the running back for the Packers, said that AstroTurf was like a pillow compared to this field. It was so frozen. You know what's um, funny is when you go to Lambeau, you probably you guys will never go just due to your fandom. No, um, never. But they, are, they are very much apologists for this moment to be like, it's not as bad as everybody said. Like there's hot water underneath the field and all this stuff. And I was like, I've heard multiple instances of sources saying that this shit sucked. I don't, I'm not going <laughs> to trust the guy I paid to go on a tour to defend this. It's okay right. to have negligence. It's fine. We true. just get better. It's true. True. I'll go to Lambeau Field when they tear down the stadium and relocate them <laughs> to Milwaukee <laughs> because of a better fan base and money talks. Oh, All right. Let's talk about some players that were famously born on January 1st. Um, we talked about this guy uh, in one of our earlier episodes, Doak Walker. Okay. Was born, was born on January 1st. Uh, we've got Darius Slay. Uh, selected by Detroit in the second round of the thirty of the 2013 uh, draft. His best season was the 27, 2017 season with Detroit, where he had 54 solo tackles and eight interceptions. Yeah. Uh, Jason Pierre-Paul, born on January 1st. No shit. A 2010 first-round pick. His best season was his uh, sophomore season in 2011. He had 66 solo tackles and a safety. He had a couple touchdowns mixed in there too, but those were not those were on his lower tackles uh, seasons. Tyler Higby was born on January 1st, not January 6th. <laughs> <laughs> um, the 2016 uh, fourth round draft pick. It seems like his best year was 2021. The year that was the year the Rams went to the Super Bowl, right? Yeah, 2021. Yeah. yeah, he had 61 receptions for 560 yards and five TDs. The following year, he had more receptions. He had 72, but he only had three touchdowns. Uh, William Gay, cornerback drafted by the Steelers in the 2007 draft, fifth round. His best season was in 2014. He had 59 combined total tackles, 12 pass deflections, three picks, and all three of those picks were touchdowns. Damn. Nice. Hell yeah. Yeah. A guy named Mercury Hayes, a wide receiver, a famous uh, Michigan Wolverine. Uh, he played for the Saints. He was drafted in 96. But he's famous as a Michigan Wolverine because he once had a game where he had seven receptions for 179 yards, and that's unheard of in the Big Ten. Yeah, no so, shit. Yeah. And the last one I got here is a guy named Thurston Towell. All right? I just like his name. Thurston <laughs> that's Towell. A good one. Yeah, because he can be like, "I'm a tall, you're a tall." <laughs> uh, he's born in uh, Rhode Island. Uh, he attended Brown University. In 1926, he was part of the Browns uh, Bears football team that went nine zero and one and became known as the Iron Men um, due to them playing without substitutions. <laughs> Let's see. He Towel played in all but two minutes versus Yale, Dartmouth, and Harvard combined. 
and ended up being their defensive end coach from 1928 to 1935. He also played in the NFL in 1929 for the Boston Bulldogs. Of course, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And that's just some interesting uh, New Year's games, cold weather games, get you in the mood for a new year, some New Year's uh, trivia for you, uh, some football. I have, I have a one comment and one question. My comment is, my father was actually at the Fog Bowl. Oh, really? Yeah, he said it was terrible. He couldn't see anything. Um, <laughs> and also, as you're talking, I realized there's been so much, and I don't really want to weigh in because who the fuck cares? Uh, there's been so much Brock Purdy discourse over the last month. Is he good? Is he bad? Is he mid? Whatever. I've decided, I decree, if you think Eli Manning is good... You think Brock Purdy is good? You're allowed so, to have one okay. bad game, okay? Right? Like, yeah, okay. And the whole like MVP question is: everybody outside of Lamar, who was in the MVP race that week, shit the bed. Mm-hmm. Dak shit the bed. Purdy shit the bed. Lamar looked great, but everybody's like, "Man, just give it to CMC, whatever." And I'm like, you know what? Fuck it, let it ride. It. I think. I think both Brock Purdy and Eli Manning are good football players. And that's the opinion that no one asked for. But uh, yeah, <laughs> let, let's move on. Um, Shane, what do you got? Do you want to go second or third? I'll go next. So I'm going like really weird here. I'm going like way, way back in the time machine here to 1897 to cover the son of the woman who saved college football in Georgia. All right. My guy this okay. week is Richard von Albade Gammon. Okay. okay. Another cool name. So Gammon was born in 1879 in Georgia, and as a talented athlete for his age, he went on and played ball at the University of Georgia at the age of 16. So he played fullback and quarterback. Damn. So oh, Gammon yeah. was part of the foundation of the game, basically, as he played under Pop <laughs> Warner and Charles McCarthy. So obviously... Pop is known for being like the name base for the youth football league in America, but he's also the innovator of the precursors of the spread and shotgun formation offense. He developed three point stance and the really? body block in football. Damn. Nice. So McCarthy was a coach and a progressive reformer. He's credited for founding the first legislative reference library in the United States. He also is a big proponent for agricultural co-ops, adult education, as well as calling for improvements for social welfare, especially for women and children, workers' compensation, farmer relief, mandatory health insurance for industry workers, and reform on inheritance and tax and, sorry, and income tax. So Damn. we've basically been fighting this fight since the beginning of time. And yeah. it's never going to end. No, nope. <laughs> so, back to Gammon. In his second season in Georgia against the University of Virginia, Gammon dove into a dog pile and was found lying motionless. In peak TH Fantasy style, doctors from the stands came down to provide aid. Because we've had a couple people in our stories who have been like, hey, is there a doctor in the house? There's yeah, right. On-field medical professionals. And I don't think back in the day they actually cared because this was... As Ryan's guy alluded to, this is like the Iron Man era where you just played for forever and for the love of the sport. Yep. Um, so both determined that he had a severe concussion, which at the time is like wild to think and not going to end well, obviously. Yeah. Um, so Gammon was up on his feet on his own strength after the first few minutes. Team captain William Kent approached him not knowing how bad he was actually hurt and asked, Vaughn, you're not going to give up, are you? 
To which Gammon replied, no, Bill, I've got too much Georgia grit for that. <laughs> so, so once he reached the sidelines, Gammon collapsed, and those previous words would be the last he would ever say it, as he would later pass away in the middle of the night. So after wow. his death, the Georgia legislature passed a bill to ban football in the state of Georgia. The bill needed just one signature, the signature of Governor William Atkinson. So however, for the love of the game, Rosalind Burns Gammon, Richard, Richard's mother, wrote a letter to her representative who ended up giving it to the governor that stated that although she was saddened by the death of her son, he did have two friends who died in rock climbing and skating accidents, and those, span those sports were not banned, so football should not be banned. So the bill was vetoed, and in 1921, the University of Georgia presented a plaque to honor Richard and his mother for their efforts in almost killing and preventing the death of football in Georgia. Damn, wow. I, I still would not have voted for him for comeback player of the year, though, <laughs> if he played the next year. Sorry, bro. Sorry, bro. It's Joe Flacco. Oh, man. That's a, that's a harrowing story. Yeah, a little, little weird one for this week. That is a weird one. I got I got something for you. I, I thought I'd be topical this week. Um, all right, here we go. As the NFL playoffs quickly approach, as you know, every pregame, postgame, red zone break, an NFL media personality will do the same thing. Break out the big board with all of the playoff clinching scenarios and incredibly confusing math. Yeah, I'm really too stupid for those. <laughs> it, it's always been pretty funny to me to watch like a guy that's working during the presidential elections come on TV and be like, hey, look, the Vikings have a 38% chance to make the wild card with a win. It's like Trump needs Wisconsin if he's going to win the electoral college. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I saw it just really quick. I saw something today when I was reading through stuff that the Bears have a 0.3% chance to get to the playoffs if they win tomorrow. Yeah, I'm Or good. Sunday. <laughs> um, so like yeah so like most of it i just assume ends up like hey you know with a win and if these two teams lost such and such will make the playoffs because that's usually like all that's just how it goes um rules have been changed about like the tiebreakers they were changed in 2002 to make tiebreakers more difficult so before then some shit got weird uh most of the tiebreakers are insanely difficult to be even in and and so I found a couple of games that happened in 99 that were super interesting. But before we jump into that, let's talk about what the tiebreakers are. Right now, the way it works is head-to-head, -head, division win-loss percentage. The third step is common games win-loss percentage. The fourth one is win-loss percentage in conference games. Number five, strength of victory in all games. Number six, strength of schedule. And then it just gets, it gets nuts. But like the last couple are insane. It's like the deepest parts of the iceberg where it's like uh, best net touchdowns in all games. And then last one, if you get, if you're tied through 11 tiebreakers, it's settled by a coin toss, which would be so sick. Get Jair Alexander out there. Oh yeah, dude. He's going to call it. Um, all right. So actually in 2006, there was a four way tie. Uh, for the last NFC wildcard spot between the Giants, Rams, Packers, and Panthers that ended up being won by the Giants over Green Bay by strength of victory in all games while the Panthers and Rams were eliminated by conference record. So that's the um, fourth step. And that's the furthest in the tiebreakers that we've gotten since the year 2000. Uh, however, I'm going to spend the rest of my segment today talking about the 1999 wildcard chase that came down to the final series of games leading to a wild shootout that would have made for incredible television. So let's set the scene. 
Week 17, 1999, Green Bay, Carolina, and Dallas were all 7-8, and eight, fighting for the second and final wildcard spot in the NFC. Green Bay was playing Arizona at noon, Carolina was playing New Orleans at noon, and Dallas was playing the Giants at 3-15. Dallas had the tiebreaker over Green Bay and Carolina, but Green Bay and Carolina were tied for multiple tiebreakers. So if Green Bay and Carolina tied for the second wildcard at 8-8, eight and eight, if both teams won and Dallas lost, the playoff team would be decided by season point differential in conference. Green Bay had 18 more points than Carolina going into the final game. It's going to get weird. At halftime, Green Bay's up 14 to 3 on the Cardinals and Carolina's up 24 to nothing, which means the Packers still had a 5-point cushion for the last playoff spot. Dorsey Levin scores in the third quarter uh, for Green Bay, so the Packers' lead goes up to plus 12. At 2:11 p.m., Carolina scores on a deep ball to go up 31 to nothing and bring the lead back down to Green Bay plus 5. At 2-12, Arizona scores a touchdown to make the game 21-10 Green Bay, but that touchdown puts Carolina ahead at plus two. The the Packers return the ensuing kickoff for a touchdown and go back up plus five. Oh my God. If things couldn't get worse for the Panthers, the Saints drive down the field and score, putting Green Bay back up to plus 12, and then hilariously... The Panthers run that kickoff back for a touchdown, so it goes back to plus five Green Bay. Jesus. Yeah, the Packers and then the Cardinals trade scores, so we're at plus five. The Panthers then score to take the playoff lead back at plus two. And now the fourth quarter's starting. Damn. All right. So Carolina's up by two points over Green Bay. Both teams are blowing their, their opposing team out, and each game has about seven minutes left to go. Arizona's driving and the Packers get an interception at the one-yard line to keep hope alive. So they're up by like three scores. There's three minutes, 30 seconds left in the game. They're on their own one-yard line, and Green Bay is running the hurry-up offense. Um, At 3 p.m. exactly, Green Bay connects on a 30-yard touchdown pass to retake the lead plus five over the Panthers. So with 18 seconds left, the Saints score on the Panthers to make the lead plus 11, and they try to go for two. They try to go for two. Because even though Mike Ditka is a dipshit, he, like me, truly hates Green Bay. So he's like, fuck it, we're going for two. Uh, they, don't, they don't get it. And Arizona ends up scoring, so the Packers go up plus four. So for some reason, the Packers are like, oh, we got it in the bag. There's only like 20 seconds left, whatever. Mike Ditka decides to try an onside kick while down 45 to 13. Oh, hell yeah. And Carolina recovers and has time to take shots at the end zone, and it's only plus four. So while this is happening, the Packers assume assume they have it running the ball. Word comes down from the sidelines that they need more points since Carolina's within striking distance, and there's like less than two minutes to go. Favre throws a bomb, gets them to the one-yard line. Dorsey Levins runs in his fourth touchdown of the day, and they go up 49-24 to on the Cardinals and go back up to plus 11 on Carolina. The Panthers, do, the Panthers don't score and win 45-13. to 13. The Packers win the point differential tiebreaker, and with a Dallas loss, would make the playoffs. So, to put a bow on this story, Dallas beats the Giants 26-18, to 18, so all of this was for nothing. But, <laughs> how fucking cool is that back and forth? Can you imagine being like the yeah, intern right? during that of just like sitting at that CRTV and be like, 
Kavos run that score up. Yeah, you right. can, I, like that would have been the coolest fantasy football thing to ever be a part of. Or straight just... up like a gambler, right? Of like you need this parlay to hit of of point differential. You put it like season beginning for these teams to make the the playoffs, and then it happens. Yeah. And like I I can make the mortgage, and then Dallas is like, no, you don't. I would have a fucking heart attack. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that is the, uh, coolest wildcard tiebreaker game of all time. Dude, football yeah, yeah. 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 Football can be super cool at times. Um, all right. So let's take a break. Let's work on DFS and we will come back soon and goodbye. with marvin mims it's marvin mims time i will say dude i i am on the side of russ i know he's a goofball but telling your boss hey i ain't taking a pay cut suck my dick pretty hard i respect that russ got screwed and you gotta be a dumbass for me to root for russell Russell. wilson (laughs) yeah (laughs) i mean sean payton's speed running his like character failure arc right of like oh he's a potential hall of fame coach and then in like two years everyone's like yeah he sucks i mean i think like people aren't gonna just step up and take your bullshit and sean payton is king of bullshit so fuck him scab um all right so now we've got our dfs lineup built let's run through it really quick we're pairing Derek carr with chris olave uh, Ryan is a big lover of Derek Carr. It's been noted in the past. Um, he's Six been, touchdowns in the last two games. Yeah, he's been top seven in his last two. This is, this is a toxic relationship. We, we uh-huh. gotta discuss. We gotta discuss this at the end of this or the beginning of the season next year. This dynamic. Uh, just I agree. Ryan's mental health. <laughs> Dude, he's gonna be. He's gonna be freaking awesome next year. <laughs> In, they do have a in, they do have a first rounder, so they can't actually draft players again. Is Derek Carr the week one starter in uh, New Orleans next year? I think so. Yes. Like yes. They, they're, they're on the hook for too much money. You can't get rid of him. Dude, the Saints being on the hook for too much money has never stopped them in the past. <laughs> so but they're just like bad at quarterback evaluation, right? Outside of Drew Brees. So Yeah. True. All right. So we've got we've got weird vibes to start us off. But we're going strong vibes next. We're going CJ Stroud and Nico Collins. Uh, love nice. Nico this week. I think Nico's dog, CJ Stroud, Tennessee, they're bad. Um, our running back, Najee Harris. A lot of, lot of stuff points towards this being a big Najee week. And uh, CMC, maybe you've heard of him. It's our other running back. Uh, we have Jaden Reed, friend of the pod, Aurora boy, uh, as our flex. And our super deep tight end, we'll just we'll let Ryan kind of explain the thought process on our tight end as he introduces us to Ryan's mid-tier kind of shitty tight end of the week. 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 All right. We're going Juwan Johnson this week, guys. I'm I'm rolling with him again. You want to know why? Because the last time I called for him, he had zero catches for zero <laughs> yards. So you're due. <laughs> you are due. <laughs> right. So according to Walid, 
he's due for a game and he's been doing pretty well uh pretty recently um he had a touchdown last week i think he had one the week before that he had uh seven targets last week um he's only 5200 right now and i think that'll afford you some really good um pay up options uh like we did as you saw when we were utilizing our super flex guys we were able to get cmc or no we did tremble in that one but that's my second one, Tommy Tremble, 4,800. Four of six last week, 59 yards. Uh, Jacksonville's defense is not that great in the secondary. And now that we know that C.J. Beathard is playing, um, <laughs> I think Tommy Tremble is going to have a day, and Carolina is going to keep this day game interesting. For the sake of my beloved Jacksonville Jaguars, I hope they win. Hey. Don't know what their path is to the playoffs right now, but doesn't Indy have to lose this week too or no? No, maybe not. I, I don't know who's in the playoffs until the first week of the playoffs. <laughs> or maybe Houston's got to lose too. I don't think Indy wins this week. I don't. I think Vegas is a different animal considering how like, they got like mollywalked yeah, by the Falcons last week. I don't right know. Now. I don't know if they can beat Vegas. But yeah, that's my tight ends of the week, of the week, of the week. Juwan Johnson, 5,200. Tommy Tremble, 4,800. I love it, it, guys. Let's go. Um, Shane, tell us what you like this week. Ironically enough, they kind of all tie into this kind of thing, because I got a shitty tight end prop bet. Uh, Durham Smythe, over 18.5 receiving yards. So Smythe has averaged 2.5 targets per game. And with an increased value of four to five targets per game with Tyreek or Waddle hobbled. Now with Waddle officially out, I think he's in line for at least four targets. And with an average yards per target of 5.5, I think we can clear this pretty easily doing the exact bare minimum that we were requested to do to make money. I love it. Um, let me see I, if he has a, I, let me see if he has a line on FanDuel. This is you're in Ryan's wheelhouse right now, bro. Yeah, we've spent a lot of time together, so I need to. If his if his reception total, if there's a prop for his reception total, and it's like two and a half, I'll take I don't it. think Let's I don't see. think Sleeper had one. It might have been three point five, maybe. I don't know. Eighteen I yards. They, I, I was. Well, I bet you they've got a Gasecki line, but maybe not a. God damn it! Well, let's see. Oh, he's on the Patriots. Oh, that's right. East Coast bias, man. <laughs> it is the same. It's the same conference, so it makes sense, right? All right. Well, Ryan does his research. I'll go to my next prop. I'm going right. to do Gardner Minshew over 0.5 interceptions. The Raiders made the best quarterback in the league last week look bush league, and I'm doubting Indy, like I said earlier, because they got their ass beat yesterday against Arthur Smith. Um, yeah. I think I think the juice for Indy's kind of out of this point. I don't know if it's because. Mar- uh, Pittman was out last week or whatever happened, um, but the Raiders have been like a top five defense, uh, allowing the, t- like, I think it's 10th lowest the last four weeks on QB rating. And unfortunately, it's time to go back to the van, Gardner Minshew, because Anthony Richardson is returning to form next year. So I Let's hope you go. have your, your moment in the sun, okay. but my, my king is coming Hell yeah. back. Hell yeah. All right, I Shane. love it. Uh, all right, Shane, they do not have a reception prop for Duran Smythe, but they do have a yardage prop. 20 and a half. What do you think? I bet the over on 18.5. So if, if Vegas is saying 20, I think I, I locked in at a good rate. Yeah, I would say so. Jeez. 
So that's the beauty of recording on Fridays. <laughs> so we, we do get to get these little cheapo discounts. Uh-huh. All right, my next right. one. I got one more. I got Jaron Hall over 26.5 rushing yards. Oh, I love it. Really? Oh, we're, we're going into the, the niche 99-cent market this week. So Vanilla Joe Barry has allowed the fourth most rushing yards per game against opposing quarterbacks. And in the one game that we saw with Jaron Hall, he rushed for over 11 yards on six snaps. So I think this is a nice little cute game I'm going to be clapping for. And then my, my chalk this week is any and all pass catching options against the commanders. Uh, I love Debo this week, actually, um, specifically because of something that I saw earlier. Since firing Jack Del Rio, Washington plays a double high safety at the second highest rate in the league on 68% of their snaps. In all of the games that Debo and Ayuk and Kittle have played together, whenever they run against two high safety, Debo has a 39% first read target share, Ayuk at 23. Yeah. Take Debo this week. Their their lines are pretty affordable, too. I think Ayuk was at like 64, Debo was at like 66, I think Kittle was at like 50-something. Sounds about right. Um. All right, so to recap, any pass catchers from San Francisco receiving over. Jaron Hall over 26.5 rushing yards. Gardner Minshew over 0.5 interceptions. Durham Smythe over 18.5 receiving yards. Juwan Johnson, Tommy Tremble. How about it? All right, boys. Time to lock in. It's time to play the game. All right, you're playing together again. I need you to give got? me. I need you to give me the top 10 teams. By fantasy point output on a per game basis. So that means the total quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end combined output in a given game on average. Fantasy uh, points? Miami would be my first bet. Full PPR, four point passing touchdowns. Fully. Okay. I, I want yeah, to you got to go Miami, Miami. right? All right, Miami is Miami is first. They're actually tied for first with sixty four point nine fantasy points per game. It's got to um, be the better go Niners. Brief. Yeah, the Niners first go. Yeah, San Francisco is third with sixty one point three fantasy points per game. Um, this might be a long shot, but they've but Stroud's had some really good games. What if we do Houston? They got to be top ten, right? Yeah. I feel like this question way... was also asked on Farceball last night, but in like a different variation. And I liked Houston, so but I don't think I was right. But I'm I'm down to clown on that because like Stroud has put up numbers, Singletary has put up numbers. Like right, they've, they've all how many uh, wrong how many wrong guesses we got, Tony? I'll I'll give you three. Okay, well before we say Texans, Shane, who who are some other obvious ones? Let's see, uh, Dallas. I also like the Lions as well. Oh yeah, the Lions. We gotta we gotta do the Lions. Let's All right, the Lions. The Lions are tied for first with Miami with sixty four point nine fantasy points per game. Okay, then we gotta do Dallas, right? Dallas is fifth on my list with fifty nine point six fantasy points per game. Wanna try Houston? Sure. Why not? Houston is not on my list. Whoa. Four and one. They have, they, they have had some stinker games. Um, Damian, Damian Pierce, hello? Yeah, where's he been all year? <laughs> see, I, don't, I don't hate Seattle. I, I don't hate Seattle. 
What about Baltimore? Baltimore's been kind of sneaky this year. Fantasy points, though? I mean, Gus has scored a touchdown like almost every game, right? That's true. I like the Rams, Lamar's... too. I like the Rams as well because Kyron Williams has been tearing it up. Puka's been tearing it up. Stafford's been good. And try the Rams? Sure. The Rams are ninth on my list with 54.9 fantasy points per game. Want to do Seattle? Sure. Stick that in FC West. Seattle is not on my list. Damn it. No. What about Philly? Yeah, it's got to be Philly. Sure. Philly is seventh on my list with 57.7 fantasy points per game. Okay. Four to go. Four? Fuck. If you can get two more, we'll, we can call it. As a Buffalo? I could see it with Jane, but Diggs hasn't had a good past like five weeks, though. That's true. What about Tampa Bay? I mean, Tampa is a good one cooking, with right? Evans and Godwin and Damn. Rashad White. Yeah, let's yeah. do Tampa. Tampa Bay is not on my list. No. What? NFC South cursed. Can't be the Browns, can it? I mean, Flacco's only been there for like three <laughs> weeks. This too, this was written before yesterday's game. Okay. I don't think it's Kansas City this year. Have we guessed Baltimore or no? You have not. Do you want to guess Baltimore, Ryan? All right, do it. Baltimore is sixth with 58.8 fantasy points per game. There we go. Okay. It can't be Washington, right? Like, I know Sam Howell's been putting right. up numbers, but like... I mean, I guess it could be. He was he leads the league in like pass attempts, right? Still, or like, he did for a while. I don't think any of those wide receivers is a top twenty finish. Like Jahan Dotson, everyone's been bitching about. I don't even know if Terry McLaurin's caught a pass in the last six weeks. I don't want to talk about right. that. <laughs> <laughs> Our uh, dynasty uh, team is so cooked, betting on that team. Holy shit! Damn it! Uh, is it? You think it's Indy? Ooh, it could be Indy. Because Pittman's been really good. Minshew's been fine. They've had a really good running game. Um, all right, let's do Indy. You guys totally lost. Damn it. Oh, it's not Indy. <clears throat> the teams you missed. Fourth place, the Buffalo Bills. 59.8 fantasy points per game. What? Number eight, Kansas City Chiefs, 55.6 fantasy points per game. Who's scoring who's points getting, on that team? Who's getting the points, though? <laughs> Rashi Rice, the Pacheco, defense. Pacheco and Rice and Kelsey still like tight end two. Um, and then that's not tight end one. I want to feel bad. Yeah, bust. Uh, actually, num- number 10 tied with the Rams is Washington. Damn. Wow. It's Logan Thomas, dude, just carrying that franchise. Insane. Right. All right, Ryan. Let's take a trip, baby. All right, guys. Um, I texted you earlier, Tony. You know what to do with this segment. I do. All right. Hit it. All right, guys. This week, we're going down to the Gateway Arch. We're going to St. Louis, Missouri. Hell yeah. All right. So it's known as the Gateway to the West. So obviously, we're, again, talking about the Lewis and Clark Trail. I don't know if I'll ever be able to find a city (laughs) in America that's not tied to that. I guess if I start going more down south. But uh, here we are on another another stop in the Lewis and Clark expedition. All right. (laughs) 
So everyone knows the famous Gateway Arch that's in, you know, downtown. I don't know if you guys have ever been there. I've been there. It's right right down by the river, made by Arrow Saarinen. It's like, uh, yeah, it's 630 feet tall. Um, and it symbolizes, like, the gateway to the west because you have to get to the major boundary is the Mississippi River. And that's what this uh, city is on. Let's see. This city was actually named after... Uh, a French monarch, King Louis the Ninth. Okay. He was like one of the only French monarchs, I guess, to ever become a saint. Let's see. They had the 1904 uh, World's Fair because that was the centennial for the um, Louisiana Purchase. Okay. He had like a bunch of stuff like invented at that World's Fair too, like Dr. Pepper and 7-Up invented um, and debuted yeah debuted at that time I don't know if you guys I, I did the brewery tour down in St. Louis but that's where Anheuser-Busch the the brewery and headquarters is located you can go down you can see the Clydesdales and um, taste a whole bunch of beers and just get a nice tour okay but that was where um, Augustus Bush was born and his family was born and got all the generations of Bush family that lives down there. Um, that's why you have Bush Field where the St. Louis Cardinals play. Um, they've won two titles, or sorry, 11 titles. Um, and they are second only, they are second only to the Yankees um, in terms of World Series wins. Ooh, fuck the Cardinals. <laughs> One of their municipal parks, Forest Park, is actually bigger than Central Park in New York City. Um, it's where like they have their big zoo and stuff like that. Um, it's also home to the St. Louis Blues. Uh, they've been a team there since 1967. They won their first Stanley Cup actually only four years ago in the 2019 season. It took them a long time to get there. Um, yeah, and the, the Blackhawks basically kept them out of it and the entire beginning of the 2000s suck it right uh in 2009 they hosted the world series poker before they decided to make the obvious choice and move the world series poker of poker to vegas obviously and that's where it's played (laughs) (laughs) oh no i can you imagine the bid for the st louis like county board and they're like let's try and get the world series of poker but we're not vegas just try anyways how who did they have to pay off to get that? I don't know, but it's now right? it's now back in Vegas. When um, I well, when I think when I think poker, I think St. Louis. Right. I don't know about yeah. you. Gambling, gambling. St. <laughs> Louis University uh, is the oldest university west of the Mississippi. Did you know that? Huh. St. Louis was once known as one of the dirtiest air quality cities um, in the United States, and you want to know why? Is because of Chicago, because there weren't enough coal uh, places in um, the late 1800s and middle 1800s, so they got all their coals trained up from St. Louis because they had a bunch of coal in Missouri. So with that industry being down there, they had at one point some of the worst uh, air quality. And on November 28, 1939, they had what is called Black Tuesday. Because it basically like was fog, but it was just coal dust. It <laughs> almost it almost ruined the botanical garden, like it yeah. was that bad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, 
let's see. We've got Army Captain Albert Barry uh, did the first ever um, parachute jump out of a plane in 1912. Uh, okay, sure. Took took some guts. Took some guts. Yeah. Hey, we never done we never done this before, but you're gonna jump out of plane. <laughs> okay. Uh, did you guys know that fried toasted ravioli was invented at uh, Old Donnie's restaurant? <laughs> uh, when, a, when a chef accidentally dropped a ravioli in the deep fryer, and he's like, "Let's try this out and dip it in some marinara. Let's see what it's like." Stroke of genius. And toast and toasted ravioli was born. An Olive Garden classic. Right. That's right. Um, Tony, here's a good stat for you about schools. Uh, St. Louis was the first uh, city to publicly fund kindergarten. Tell those kids to get a, go back to the fucking mines. <laughs> Hit the mines. <laughs> <laughs> the mines, yeah. Chicago needs their coal. Yeah. All right. Those are some interesting facts. Now let's talk about some people from St. Louis, all right? Fuck yeah. All right. All right. Let's start with, uh, we got John Hamm, you know, actor from everything, you know, John Hamm from St. Louis. The, dude, John Hamm doesn't even fucking act anymore. He just does, like, Cadillac voiceovers. Isn't he known for having, like, a big hog, too? Yeah, he's got a giant dog. <laughs> the last thing I saw him in, I think, was the second season of Good Omens that came out, like, within the last year. Okay. Um... Let's see. We've got uh, Pam Beasley, Jenna Fisher from The Office is from uh, St. Louis. Uh, Cedric the Entertainer. Oh, hell yeah. Is from St. Louis. Um, let's go. Let's see. Um, we've got a, a city called Alton, Illinois. And that's just north of St. Louis. And what's where a lot of actually, like, for some reason, it's a super small town in Illinois. It's on the Mississippi River just across. And it's, you know, like, 40 miles north. They've got some good people that they had. That's where the world's tallest man ever was from. I can't remember his name, but he was eight foot 11 inches. Uh, you can look it up. He's from Alton, Illinois. Um, but we also have Ezekiel Elliott is from Alton, Illinois. And we've also got Miles Davis. All right. There you go. Some really good. Whatever's going on in Alton, they're kicking out some, some, some people. All right. Yeah. We got uh, Red Fox, famous comedian. Um, ooh, here's a good one, Tony. Harry Carey, you know, famously an orphan, but he was born in St. Louis. He was a Cardinals announcer before he became the Cubs guy. Yep. Uh, we've got uh, Yogi Berra, uh, baseball Hall of Fame player. Okay. Uh, we've got Scott Bakula from Quantum Leap. And, yes. And... Um, you know, all the, like, CSI, like, Alberta, Canada's, and, um, <laughs> you know. Yeah. All, he's not in, like, he's not in, like, the Miami one, I don't think, but he's in, like, all the small city ones. Uh, do you do you remember that Comedy Central uh, motorcycle show where uh, Offerman was, like, best friends with this dude from, I can't remember what South American country that they all worshipped Scott Bakula as a god. Do you remember oh, that? Yeah, it was, um, they were from, uh, damn it, I think it was Venezuela, because they, they liked Cesar Chavez, or whatever, or Hugo yeah. Chavez, or yeah. Viva, Viva Chavez, or whatever. That was a weird uh, fucking show. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. Uh, we've got T.S. Eliot, poet and author, uh, yeah. from St. Louis. True. We've got Maya Angelou, uh, famous woman, poet and playwright. Legend. Um... 
Yeah. Uh, we got Linda Blair, the chick from The Exorcist. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right? Uh, Lou Brock, MLB Hall of Fame pitcher from the Cardinals. Uh, who else we got here? Oh, Vincent Price, famous yes. horror actor from the 40s, 50s, 60s. Uh, one of his last films he was really old in was uh, Edward Scissorhands. He was the inventor in that. Uh, yep. That was like a few years before he died. We got a decent amount of football players from this town, too. I, like I said, I already got Ezekiel Elliott. We've got, um, uh, who's this guy? Oh, yeah, Jonathan Owens, safety from Green Bay. We've got uh, Foyasade Olukun, yeah, from, uh, oh, linebacker yeah. from Jacksonville. Yeah, uh, we've we've got Teron Armstead, uh, tackle for Miami right now. We've got famous uh, backup quarterback who's been on like a lot of teams: Jacksonville, Kansas City, right now. Mr. Blaine Gabbert is from St. Louis. There you go. Uh, we've got Jamison Williams, uh, hey. Detroit wide receivers from St. Louis, league winner. That's right. Uh, here. We got Bradley Beal from the NBA. Yep. Um, Jason Tatum, uh, Boston Celtic, is from St. Louis. Did you guys know that Sam, Sam Laporta is from Highland, Illinois, a suburb of St. Louis? That's Damn. right. Sam Laporta. Damn. All right, all right, guys. But the most famous person from St. Louis, Missouri, deep in the heart of St. Louis, Missouri, and everyone's heart, is Michael McDonald. Famous singer singer from the Doobie Brothers, Steely Dan, collaborations with Kenny Loggins. He's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Oh, yeah. Do you believe? Oh, dude. Michael McDonald is the GOAT. And I don't care what anybody says. I love Michael McDonald. If I told you to Family Guy. (laughs) If they didn't didn't hit Family Guy, Fox is going under. If I told you that Michael McDonald was from Milwaukee, you'd be like, that's what a fool believes. <laughs> <laughs> um, I got a couple. Of, I got a couple of St. Louis things I'd like to share. What you got? First off, D.H. Poligro, who was the drummer for the Dead Kennedys, big shout out, fucking awesome from St. Louis. Uh, Glenn Jacobs, A.K.A. Kane. Boo. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Do you remember <clears throat> Shane? Well, I when... saw I, I saw that because I thought you guys would get a kick out of it. But when I looked at his name, he actually wasn't from. He wasn't born in St. Louis. He might have lived there, but yeah, he's I from didn't... parts unknown. Duh. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, he he said something shitty about like trans kids playing sports, and a wrestler for the company that I watch posted like retweeted his tweet with a video of like the ten most violent times that Kane got hit in the head by a chair. <laughs> <laughs> it was fucking awesome. New new generation wrestlers are great. They are. Um, also, I want to point out uh, Joe Buck from St. Louis. And I want to say something. Joe Buck gets a lot of shit. He has gotten so much better over the last 15 years that it's unreal. He used to be insufferable. Hey, Joe Buck yourself. <laughs> I think it's, I... It's because, it's because he drinks on the camera now, right? I hope so. I <laughs> He looks like he's getting fucked up these days. He's taking edibles. <laughs> the most important person from St. Louis who's not Michael McDonald is obviously Nelly, right? Yeah, yeah. He was on my list, too. I skipped over him. Country Grammar was, like, there were four singles on there that were huge. Country Grammar. The whole album. Yeah. Yeah. 
EI, Ride With Me. Oh, my God. That Big whole sh- record. Shake Your Tail Feather in Bad Boys 2. Classic. I also want... I also want to point out St. Louis sister cities. Uh, they have Bogor, Indonesia. Yes. Uh, Bologna, What's the w- Italy. Spain? Oh, Italy. What's the one in uh, Japan? Japan is Suwa. S-U-W-A. Um, why, Saint- why does Japan always have a sister city for anywhere you like look up in America? It's an apology we- for what we did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> the apology we gave him? Yeah, like, hey, hey you can have a town. Like, My bad. We're... We're not going to call you a brother city. We're going to call you a sister city, right? Um, also, there's a bunch. There's a bunch of different countries that have sister cities with St. Louis, Argentina, Senegal, Russia, Mexico, Germany, whatever. But I want to point out, too, uh, Nanjing, also known as Nanking, China, which is like the site of one of the most horrific genocides of all time. And the other sister city in China to St. Louis is Wuhan. So, oh, no. In real yeah. TH fantasy, we fucking kill the vibe. So, do we, so, do we need to like get rid of St. Louis. <laughs> I I, I want to let's you know what let's use this real quick I mean, to pivot to our it, shits to riches games. I mean, we could just we could just you know like you know remove all the sports teams and like the Rams did and just go to LA. Yeah, you know what's funny, dude, is every time I hear St. Louis because Fred Durst always wore the St. Louis hat, right? Yankees. Oh, was it Yankees? Who wears yep. the... Why is it a red hat? Aren't the Yankees black? <laughs> That's what made it so uh, crazy. But I, I always think Fred Durst is from St. Louis, but he's from Florida. Hell yeah, he is from Jacksonville. Very, very much Florida energy. Anyways, shits to riches. Yeah. Uh, what's Shane, what's your shits to riches game this week? We're going to Jacksonville. I'm taking Jacksonville, Carolina. I think that game's going to be an absolute shit show, but in the best way possible. And I think Carolina's going to win that game and give you guys the number two overall pick. And instead I think of, they're going to win too. Instead of having to debate a quarterback, I think you guys are just going to be gifted Marvin Harrison. And Justin Fields will continue to stay in Chicago. Fine. <laughs> Ryan, your shit's the richest game of the week. Guys, okay, number one, am I taking the over on this game at 42 and a half? I'm going with the New Orleans and Tampa Bay game. I'm hoping that this is going to be, you know, somewhat like the Thursday night game we saw last night. That was and, a great game. Yeah, yeah, it was a really good game. Um, And I hope that this game can eclipse a total points of like 60. I think Derek Carr is going to throw... Screw it. He's going to throw four touchdowns and Shit. Baker's going to score three or four. I I just hope this game is all out brawl. I hope it's awesome. We've been very fruitful with Tampa Bay and I think it's going to continue. Which, I, yeah, I remember, I remember just not even paying attention to Tampa Bay because I got chosen them to, uh, to do a little bit of research for our stuff in the off season. I was like, oh, we don't even need to talk about this team, but you know, who, they're, you know turned out, they turned out to be really good this year. Speaking of last off season in the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, there was someone on this podcast. I think it was me. It was fucking <laughs> me that had, that had Rashad white as a dynasty buy. Dude, I think about that at least once a week when I see Rashad white's points going burr. I'm like, Tony called it. He said he's a league winner. And we're like, you're what the fuck are you talking about? Here we are. Rashad White, baby. Um, so my shits to riches game this week is Cincinnati and Kansas City. I think Kansas Ooh. City gets back on the horse and I think they score a lot of points. 
This is look, I if you look at my bets this week, my same game parlay is Kansas City to win, Kelsey to hit his receiving over, and Kelsey to score a touchdown. If he can't do that against this Cincinnati team, I don't know what to fucking tell you, man. Not a Hall um, of Famer. Yeah, kick him out. Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift, man. She's man, she's probably playing better than half the Kansas City wide receivers right now, for sure. He's getting he's getting swiftified. So you know, I will I will say him. my brother gave me this information on Christmas. Travis Kelsey used to date a woman from my high school who was our class president the year before me. Hell yeah. So small really? ass world. Hell yeah. Travis Kelsey. Um, so yeah, that's my, that's my shits to riches game of the week. Thank you guys for coming. It's this was episode 113. next week. We're going to have guests. We're going to do kind of like a season wrap and, uh, we'll, we'll just talk our shit. No guys next week. Just all, all dude talk. Um, just what the fantasy sphere needs more men speaking at each (laughs) other. (laughs) So, so, Hey, if you're in any of your fantasy championships, like Shane, good luck. Uh, Shane might not need luck because he had Joe Flacco and Brees Hall. Can I can I read you my team before I curse um, myself? Yeah, please um, do. Yeah, so we got. I I did make the trade in the off season. I actually made two trades this year that I am very grateful I did. Um, first one I did Jerry Judy a second and Josh Kelly like week six for Travis Etienne, who Ooh. is in my lineup. So I have Joe Flacco, Brees Hall. Joe Flacco is my quarterback, like, five that I picked up because I have Will Levis, Aiden O'Connell, uh, Justin Herbert, and Anthony Richardson. So I've had just <laughs> Ray for fuck. But I think Joe Flacco has basically put up more points than Justin Herbert has all year. Um, yep. So I have ETN, CeeDee Lamb, Amon Ross, and Brown, Shadow Hunter. I traded him Brandon Ayuk and Drake London for uh, Amon Ra before the year. Ooh. Isaiah Likely because T-Hawk died, but... He did all that he had to do for me. Jonathan yep. Taylor, Nico Collins, Jalen Hurts. Oh, that's nice. fun. Take it home. Take it home, bro. Good luck. And anybody anybody that's uh, that's in your championship, good luck this week. If you listen to us, you're going to win. It's a good luck charm. That's right. So, that's right. All right, so we'll talk to you next week. Uh, enjoy. Happy New Year's. See you next Be year. Be safe. Bye.